So, Mike, how many times have you watched Endgame since since home video? Well, from start to finish, five or six, probably. <laughs> but, but, it, the, wasn't that two days ago? No, no, no. I bought it digitally. So oh, it was like okay. two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks beautiful in 4K. Absolutely yeah, I finally, beautiful. I finally picked it up Tuesday, but I haven't had time to like block out three hours to just sit down and watch it yet. Yeah, Which I mean, it's kind of killing me a little bit. Like, I, I really want to just revisit it and see what it looks like. Maybe I might just have to skip around, just like pick the last third and be like, okay, I'm just going to watch all the cool fucking shit. <laughs> I would say for me, that's kind of like I have the time, but I like it's played as like background noise for me a few times. Yeah. Where like I'm doing something completely else, but I just throw it on. What was it? Josh, I told you that when we recorded uh, the pre show the other the other day when or no it was during the show when we took a quick break and i came back and i told you that oh the the end game scene was on where cap gets the hammer so i had oh, to stop yeah, and watch like, left, I went it, to, left it on for the dogs yeah i put it on for the dogs <laughs> while they were in the crate because amy wasn't around and i went in and it was like right before like the three of them are fighting thanos i'm like oh, i gotta see cap get the hammer <laughs> like i so i just left josh hanging for i don't know two three minutes whatever that was because i couldn't like, walk in and it'd be on that scene and not watch. I mean, that's acceptable. Yeah. I mean, it should be, at least. I'm sorry I wonder, if it was rude, Josh, I wonder how... But, yeah, I wonder, like, how far in advance of that moment you could have encountered it and still decided, I will just sit here for a little bit. I think the missile attack. By the by the time the missile attack <laughs> happens, I'm like, nope, I'm in for the long haul. Let's finish this fucker. Yeah, that's You true. know... Which I think at that point there's still a good like forty five minutes left. Yeah, the like they, like that was the problem. Is like I'm sitting. I, I got Josh. Where like I just took a quick break to check on the dogs. I, I wasn't. You know, I wanted to watch, but I couldn't. That's when you come back to the dogs afterwards and be like, "Hope you liked the end of that movie because we're watching it again." Oh, they've watched it several times. Cause I put them <laughs> in the crate. I just throw it on. They've watched it more than me. Welcome to another episode of Bra Guy and His Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is Josh Zorch. I'm no longer the Count. I am back to being just simply Mr. Movie Slut. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and you heard him. That's Mike Bradley. Uh, that was my intro. I just... <laughs> just the Count laugh. That's all you yeah. get. Um, so yeah, I'm back with you guys this time. Did you guys have fun last episode without me? Yeah. Did you, have, you know, like it I was. I mean, don't throw it in my face too bad, but. No, it was just like any other episode, just talking about horror anytime it comes up and you just don't talk. I mean, yeah. So, same as any other time we discuss horror movies. Yeah. Would have been the that's same true. That's true. I guess us. nothing has changed. Um, uh, but yeah, I've got, I got to give you guys props officially. You guys did a great job last week, or the last time we did this wasn't last week. I had, it was, it's like almost an out of body experience to edit an episode that I'm not on. It's a little little odd and weird, but <laughs> we tried you, to make uh, it fun for you, you know. Did did you did you feel like you had like let us borrow your car and you were just sitting at home waiting to see a if we bit. brought it home like with the car yeah. with the door <laughs> smashed in? 
I think I think like I made that comparison to like a uh in the the intro that I recorded like the proud parent thing of like it's like you know leaving leaving the kids at home as you go out to do something and then you come back to realize the kids hasn't set the house on fire and everyone's still alive. Yeah. So well, kudos. The well house done. the house might be haunted now. But... <laughs> I'm just glad he didn't catch the 15 minutes of dead air we left in it. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's Avengers Endgame break. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so three of us are back together for this episode. There's, I mean, probably a couple of headline stuff we could talk about, but it wasn't enough to fill an episode, and we haven't done a What's Up With You in a while, so it seemed like a good time to just kind of catch up with everybody and see what's been going on. Um, if you haven't listened to one of these episodes before, what we usually kind of do, it's just kind of an excuse to us, excuse for us to talk to each other about some stuff that each of us has watched or played or read that we haven't really covered before. Um, it's more or less kind of like a mini review episode where we just kind of talk about a bunch of the random stuff and give our thoughts on whatever we've been checking out. Uh, so we never really, I guess, discussed this beforehand, but any, any volunteers, does anyone want to go first over their list of stuff? Are we going to do like... Could we do like a roundabout? Like, what are we watching on TV? And then everybody kind of talks about. Oh, it we can do then, that. Yeah, you know. I mean, I have I have a couple movies. I have a TV show and just random couple games that I. Well, I guess the same random couple games, but a couple games. Why not? Let, yeah. Let's. Oh, yeah, I like the idea of doing it by category. Yeah. All right. So let's. I know we've probably all seen some movies. So let's go with some movies. So who wants to start <laughs> with their movie list? Uh, I'll start. Okay. I, I can start with the movie I, I believe we started talking about on last week's episode, which was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Uh, Amy and I went to see that opening day, um, and I was pleasantly surprised. That movie was very much awesome. Um, I, I, I got, I, I, it felt weird because there was a couple families in the theater that brought children that were like five or under <laughs> and there were, and it was a pg-13 horror movie but it yeah, still but had still some fairly violent genre. parts like that's yeah that's it strikes me as weird like well i mean they actually have josh have you seen it yet we did we went on sunday night okay so that so you'll understand the scene i'm talking about where somebody um is brutally injured with a pitchfork yep uh but Ugh, instead my kind of movie but instead of blood there is no blood. Nope. It, it's straw. So I guess they kind of get away with it, but they show the pitchfork, like puncture his chest in the back and come out the front. But there's no blood. So they get away with some things like that, but um, definitely not appropriate for your, you know, eight and unders. But definitely a fun movie. Um <laughs> Is that the first one on your list you guys talked about that came out? I think yes. so. Yeah, I think it was yeah. the first. Okay. In, yeah, in, ter in terms of release dates, we uh, started the episode by recapping some Halloween <coughs> franchise news. Uh, but in terms of like upcoming releases, yeah, that was the, the first okay. one. Right, right. Okay. Um, staying with a horror, another horror movie I watched uh, recently on uh, Prime was uh, The Curse of La Llorona. I had not caught that in the theater when it was out, and I also did not know that it was tied to the Conjuring universe kind of thing before seeing it. Um, I had not heard that, but it turns out it is. Um, very interesting movie. It was not... I wouldn't call this one scary, 
Um, Not really. A couple of jump I scares. Mean, yeah. And I know some people, like, a good friend of mine always tells me that he's always terrified of, like, the scary women, like, in The Nun or, you know, any movie that has, like, that going on. Yeah. That, like, creeps him out. So maybe for somebody with, like, that problem, this could work on the scare level, but... um. I thought I thought the story was interesting, but the scares weren't really there. Yeah, Sam, and the, I, I'm kind of torn about the idea of like when they're designating something as being part of the Conjuring universe because it's on the one hand I like that it's almost very subtle in some of these cases, um, right. like they're not slapping you over the head with it, but then how much like to the degree that they're like minimally connecting these things i feel like they're oh they're trying to overuse it as a selling point and see that that for me is kind of why i brought it up is because i didn't even know about it like it wasn't what sold me on it Uh or anything i had no idea that it was part of it when i saw it so if they did do that for marketing it didn't reach me Mm -hmm. um so yeah but I'm sure it wasn't a very strong marketing campaign they put towards that movie, but you know, yeah, it was it was, it was all right. Um, and you guys recommend it or no? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I would say if you like horror movies, give it a watch. But I would say that about a lot of horror movies because true, some of the fun in horror movies can be with how bad they are too. So. You know, like, I would still tell somebody to go ahead and give a watch to Hatchet. Oh, I love Hatchet. Yeah. (laughs) I love that whole series. It's it's campy, it's bad horror, but it's, like, it's not scary, it's fun. Horror. Uh, Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, But yeah, in scary stories, I would absolutely recommend, um... The third movie that I've seen recently that I uh, would put on this is Longshot. Um, mm. And that was fantastic. Which um, one was that? Refresh my memory. That is uh, Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. That's right. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. She plays a, a woman running for president, and he's a kind of a loser journalist, but they knew, know each other from childhood, and... It's kind of a romantic comedy, but in Seth Rogen's format of romantic comedy, like a Judd Apatow kind of thing, like it's yeah. very crude in a lot of ways. Um, but it was uh, fun from beginning to end. Um, yeah. I don't think it's going to stay on my top ten list, but currently it's holding a spot there. Okay. Wow. I, I don't think it's going to hold on to that spot by the end of the year, because <laughs> there's quite a few things coming up I know are going to knock it out. Probably. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's for newer movies. Other than that, um, recently, uh, Godzilla King of Monsters came to watch on uh, for digital release. Uh, I picked that up, and my opinion of it on watching it at home improved dramatically from my theater experience. Mm, okay, um, okay. After the theater, I would have said ugh, like a 3.0 out of 10 and not very thrilled with it. 
watching at home, I'd actually upgrade it significantly more to like a seven. And it, it, I don't know. I think something about it in theater made it such that you couldn't focus on the fact that they actually did a bit of character work in the film. Um, because of just how loud and ridiculous the movie is the whole time in an IMAX theater. It's tough to focus. Yeah. But when you sit down at home and you can actually pay attention to those parts, much better. Okay. I mean, not a great movie by any means, but much better than my initial impression. Yeah, I remember when we saw that. I I was hyped for that, I think. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I was hyped for that. And I know I left disappointed. I was I was underwhelmed by that movie. Very much so. Um I didn't even know there is an end credit scene uh on that. I did not stay for it in a theater. I had no idea it was there <laughs> until I watched this and I didn't know it was coming. I just kinda let the movie roll on and what do you know? It was there. And Charles Dance's character finds a Ghidorah head at the very end of it. Yeah. Uh so interesting. But, yeah, that that's it for me for movies that are new. I mean, I could tell you Avengers Endgame's on digital and all that and watched it, but that's obvious, you know. Yeah, we've got a whole three-hour <laughs> podcast or whatever it was on, on that movie. <laughs> right. Uh, I'll piggyback on Scary Stories. Yeah, I, I was surprised at how well it was put together for, yeah, being a PG-13 horror movie based around, like, teenage characters, based on short story books that are... 35 years old close to 40 at this point um i felt like there were some areas where they could have tightened it up but uh yeah i was pleasantly surprised uh and if the horror is if you if you if you like regular like halloween scary but you're not like huge into what you might yourself call horror movies there's a good chance you'll actually like this okay Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Brian, this is like the happy middle ground between the gory, scary movie of It and Sca- Stranger Things. It, yeah, I would put it a, like that's a it good in a comparison. zone between those two. I mean, it's still nothing I'm going to be like, I need to watch this right now and go out of my way to watch that movie. I mean, I would say for you, it's actually even safer than Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. Stranger Things <laughs> is gorier and more violent. Okay. So, so I can handle it if I ever decide to watch it, which easily absolutely again I'm not gonna again I probably won't go out of my way to watch it, but it's good to know that it passes my litmus test. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll keep going with my movies. Uh, I guess uh, I'm not sure how far back to go to think about this. I guess like things that uh, I may have the last couple I might have seen in a theater. We saw the live action Lion King. Uh, I think we all collectively kind of talked about that before one of the episodes a couple weeks ago it was in short eh. yeah it's gonna be on my list to talk about too passable how how underwhelmed yeah uh bradley and i both saw once upon a time in hollywood i know that oh we can talk about that yeah i was waiting for you guys to talk about that um i now mike to your point about so we the, the episode that we recorded on scary movies there was about a 15 minute conversation in the preamble of that before the show actually started that he and I kind of went back and forth on it, but I hadn't seen it yet at that point. Um, and his big takeaway from what I remember was it seemed like 
Quentin's story of of having his characters kind of coincide with his own sort of revisionist telling of the Charles Manson and uh, Sharon Tate murders in uh, August of 1969. It's like they they do. I, I Mike, I think this is what you're getting at, and I, I think I agree with it that both stories kind of suffered by not being strong enough in and of themselves like that like neither of them were central enough yeah i I feel like he wanted to tell both of those stories separately Mm -hmm. and that he mashed them together like he wanted to tell you know a a sharon tate movie he wanted to make that movie but he couldn't figure out how to do it as a solo film like do it with its own story and i feel like the story of leonardo dicaprio and brad pitt's characters he also wanted to tell as their own story, but he couldn't figure out a conflict for it. Like he wanted to tell a story there, but he <laughs> mashed them together and her story yeah. seemed completely irrelevant to the plot. You're right. There, there's not, I mean, as far as I see it, there's not really like a traditional, I wouldn't say just a three, pl- three act structure, but there, there's, any conflict that exists in the story, is, especially on, on the Leo and Brad side of things, is mostly like internal, you know, man versus himself right. stuff. And not that that's bad, uh, but I was unprepared for just how much of a character movie this is. Like th- this, this is Quentin Tarantino writing characters, but not really writing a plot. Yes. And uh, it's like if you if you took away it, it reminded me out of anything he's done so far, it actually reminded me more of Hateful Eight than anything. But take away the little bit of story arc that the Hateful Eight actually had. And that's all you're left yeah. with is just the people involved. Um, if, you, mean, if you like that kind of thing for for like, you know, deep seated cinema, you'll probably enjoy it. But if you are a Tarantino fan for his storytelling style and how awesome he can be when you look at something like the Kill Bill volumes or Django or, or Inglorious Bastards, or, and of course the earlier stuff, um, this is going to be very different for you. Yeah, I felt, like I think I said it to you, there's several scenes in there that are Oscar-worthy scenes that just don't feel like they belong together in one film. The acting and the quality he gets out of everyone on screen is incredible but the plot the story it just needed more attention yeah agreed. need to be more thought out um and i still feel like you know i still feel like the movie's like a nine out of ten it just could have been that 10 out of 10 home run with just that much more attention to the plot yeah. And yeah. how everything was going to tie together. I mean, the, the scene where Brad Pitt goes to the ranch, uh, mm-hmm. that was fantastic filmmaking. They needed more of that tension in the film. Yeah. From more interaction after that. That needed to have some other event along the way. Something else there to tie that, you know, maybe they weren't going that night to kill Sharon Tate and decided to kill them anyways. Maybe they were, you know, looking for them because of another event that occurred with him. 
Yeah, it, it so, it's you know, needed something. The, the, there was glue missing. Yeah, connective tissue. I yeah. think is the term Brian likes to use sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, would you guys recommend it or no? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I just go, okay. especially if you are seeing it because you're a Tarantino fan, just go into it with different expectations. Gotcha. Okay. Um, let's see. So that's about what I had seen in the theater lately. Um, uh, we just rewatched uh, randomly. We literally used a uh, a Google number randomizer last night <laughs> to pick a movie out of our DVD collection so that we didn't even have to think <laughs> about like scrolling through and looking through I feel Netflix. Like that's something and so, I need to do. So yeah, so Sarah's very diligent and and to the point of of you know OCD. In, in a good way this time to maintain a list of like the DVDs and TV shows that we physically own. Uh, so she just pulled up that spreadsheet and <laughs> we think you tell, like if you literally, if you just Google, legit. yeah, if you Google number randomizer, it, the right. Google results actually embed one right in the results page. You don't even have to go to a website. Mm-hmm. You just start at one, you put in your end, you hit generate, it gives you a number. We looked at that on the list and it ended up being the Amityville horror 2005 remake oh ryan reynolds Very nice. <laughs> yeah it's been it's been a minute since i watched that and uh i enjoyed it uh, quite a bit again uh a couple days before that we just watched this uh, we're catching up on stuff that's a couple years old we watched the gift that was a blumhouse movie with uh joel egerton which he actually wrote and directed and co-starred oh, in that one. with um uh jason bateman mm-hmm. that's a good one yeah, it was different. It was it was very it wasn't was what I was expecting. I thought in the end it was going to devolve into like a horror movie and it was very well done. The pacing was good. It's all tension, it's all build up, it's very subtle. Um suspense. It, it's a it really suspense film. It, it it's yeah. very very well done. And usually I don't like Joel Edgerton. Um Okay. I'm usually not a fan of his. Um Uncle but... Owen. What'd you say? I said Uncle Owen. Yeah, well, that's different. But <laughs> pretty sure, does he even say anything? Does he say a word? He has like five lines or something. Not a lot. Okay, well, yeah, you usually I'm not. But in that case, the gift was really, really good. I enjoyed the hell out of that movie. Yeah, we, we had a good time with it. Um, Is that how you've selected, what, the last couple of movies you've watched, Josh, with the randomizer? Or just that last just one? Just this last one, last night. Um, but between, so like we have a couple, like obviously we have a Netflix queue full of between TV and and television shows, like 400 titles. We have (laughs) like 70 movies ripped to my laptop from things that like I borrowed from the library or we got from Redbox or I borrowed from a friend. I haven't gotten around to watch those. So I, 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 this might be the way to go for a while is just pick, start with like source number one, two or three or four. And then from there. Tell it, all right, tell me whatever. Give me a number, right. give me number 122 on Netflix. Great. Yeah. Definitely takes... Yeah, it's not a bad system. Takes all of the guesswork out of it. And then if you just commit to it, if you're like, well, if if, if we already have it, obviously we were interested in it. Right. And yeah. so, and, and if we don't feel like watching it at that point, like obviously if it's a TV show with four seasons, we're not going to be like, oh, yep, that's it. But if it's just a film... All four seasons, right, that night? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if it's just a film... 
And like, well, if we're not interested enough in it now, then we're probably never going to want to actually watch it. So get rid of it. That's a good way to cut it. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's what we're going to maybe try out for for a little bit. I'll be anxious to hear how that works out. Yeah. Um, trying to think of what else. Oh, t- I told you this the other day. So for the first time in my life, uh, I watched Heat last, I think it was last weekend. For the first time ever. For the first time ever. And that is okay, because I was extremely underwhelmed. Fair enough. I'm just surprised it took so long. Um, You know, I'm kind of in the same boat with Josh, and him and I talked about this last weekend. I just watched it for the first time maybe within the last year, year and a half. I I mean, I'm not a fan, so I'm not, like, offended that you're underwhelmed in any way. I just, it it was a big movie. That's all I'm surprised for. Yeah, yeah, I think it's one of those movies that's just you, you start hearing so much overhypeness about it that by the time you come into it, I think with higher expectations than are, than you originally had. And I kind of, I honestly, I even kind of felt that way about the original Blade Runner because I I saw that later in life, so like after that whole craze, and that was so overhyped. I'm like, I feel like I should be enjoying this more than I am. Uh, yeah. And really, that's I've fair. only watched that once. I should probably give it another another chance maybe watch it back to back with 2049 i think i might enjoy it better that way yeah i think that's what i kind of had to do we i I saw it again that was like a college movie and i I don't know late 20s again but then right before 2049 came out about a month before i saw it again and it kind of had the same feeling about it but i think after seeing 2049 i like the first one better yeah yeah and i could give it that because i actually i you know, we've talked about it before numerous times. I fucking love 2049. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it is very much the same vein as the original Blade Runner, which makes me think, why the hell don't I like the original <laughs> as much as I like this exactly. one? Because I love 2049. I wonder... 2049's a lot prettier. Yeah, I, I think it has you know, to do with just yeah, the modern be, technology to make it look that good. Yeah. You know I mean? I feel like they were going for that in the original Blade Runner, but they didn't quite get there because the technology wasn't the same. Yeah, it does just, maybe it just feels like, yeah, dirtier or something, less polished and slick. Early 80s sci-fi. Yeah. Like, that's... Everybody wanted that down and dirty, gritty. Everything mm-hmm. was too hard to see. Yeah. That, that movie is so darkly it's, shot. It is very, yeah, just dark. But I digress. But on a side note from Heat, since it's not directly related, but randomly, Amy and I watched Deeper's Creepers 2. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Uh, I want to say it was yesterday. Yeah. And I noticed something in the credits. What's that? As an executive producer on this film was Francis Ford Coppola. Um, <laughs> and I'm con- I was confirming absolute- this right now. Go for it. I was absolutely shocked that, it, like, yeah, an executive producer just put money up for the film and all that and everything. But still, he let them put his name on that movie. <laughs> what the fuck? I, I was just amazed by that well he was an executive producer on the first one and so yep attached to the second wow yeah interesting how does that happen again like i said he's just kind of a front man and all that but still yeah i'm sure it's one of those just in name only yeah but he still let them put his name in the credits yeah like producers can definitely opt to not have their information appear yeah that, that, that's all I'm trying to say. Is he was like, "Oh yeah, Jeepers Creepers too." Put my name on it, <laughs> Mike. Did you? When did he say that? Did you? Wait. So was this the first time that you've seen Jeepers Creepers too, or you're no. just re- okay? No, no, no. 
Did, uh, have you seen the third one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm all about the Creeper. They're fun movies. They're stupid as shit, but they're fun. <laughs> are there only three, or are there more than three? There's only three as of now. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I could be wrong if I heard about, like, some... I don't say a continuation, but I don't... Maybe some kind of reboot. I don't know why you would do that. Like, the, I don't I don't even think Cheaper's Creepers 2 got a theatrical release. It might have. And, and the third, yeah, the third you, one definitely... Yeah, you're asking the wrong person. I wouldn't know. Yeah, the third one definitely didn't. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what uh, lies in its future. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think. I think in terms of movies, that's about all that is noteworthy. Okay. Um... My list, I have three that I was going to bring up. One of them, to sort of tease it, uh, like Mike, I think as of right now, is in my top ten for this year. Um, first one I'll talk about, Josh sort of talked about it too, uh, The Lion King. I sort of just wanted to reiterate what we talked about off air. So the technologically, like the, the special effects behind this movie it, are fucking phenomenal. Like you, you... It looks like you're watching some sort of live-action nature documentary, which helps and hurts the movie. The animated movie is very expressive. These animals, I don't... You know, what they what they put on screen for these CG lifelike animals are not as expressive as what an animated movie can do, which I think kind of takes away from the movie a little bit. They, they kind of try to have uh, some of the animals smile at times. Right. I, that I can remember, and it looks creepy when it's a real animal. Yeah, yeah. Like, even, like, Jungle Book did stuff like that, too. But Jungle Book, uh, for some reason, it works a lot better. Maybe because it looked still a little bit cartoonish and not completely real like this one does. Yeah. This looked like BBC's Africa. Yeah. Which is a um, real thing, by the way, which is awesome. <laughs> and uh, I, what I was telling these guys, I think, when we talked about it off air, there was something that stuck with me that I read on Twitter. And I think it was around the time the Aladdin remake was talked about there was there was one of the writers from the original animated aladdin had been on twitter and i don't know if if it was a conversation that someone asked him about like a question he fielded and then this conversation started or if he just came out with it after all these remakes for disney were being announced but basically more or less saying that he was involved with writing the original aladdin the remake that they're doing is using stuff that he and his writing team or her was involved writing came up with dialogue the way the story works, the arcs for these characters, and they're repurposing all that stuff for their remake, and they are getting no residuals or any type of credit for what they did originally. Which kind of raised some questions to me, like, how is that even possible? Why would you even let, like, it's becomes a fine line, I feel like, between, like, paying an homage to something and flat-out plagiarizing someone else's stuff. I mean, granted, it's all under Disney, but not to give the original people some sort of, like, co-writing credit or something for these movies. And it really hit me in the opening just five minutes of The Lion King because it is shot for shot what the animated movie was. And immediately I'm thinking, like, why the hell is I love Jon Favreau, but I don't feel like he should get directing credit for this movie because the original guy that did the 90s animated movie basically directed the live action movie or the quote unquote live action movie that they just remade. Like, to, it really rubbed me the wrong way within the first five minutes of the movie and it turned me off the whole rest of the movie. There is really good stuff in that movie. I think Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner as Timona Puma are fucking phenomenal. Agreed. Um, uh, Chitty, I can I always kill butcher his name. Chitty, would you forward? Yep. Chitty. <laughs> Chitty. Yeah. 
She would have Ouija for I'm I'm just making it work. Um, <laughs> the the guy that plays Scar I thought did really well. Granted, Jeremy Irons is still top tier, but this guy is a very close well, second. In and, my and 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 I'll get in on that note. For my biggest problem with the whole movie was they basically cut "Be Prepared" out of the movie. Yeah, and I get and that. Yeah, that that was you know I I said when we talked before about it that was my favorite musical bit in the movie, and seeing it cut down to like a couple sentences of dialogue. Basically, they, yeah. you know, it was like, you know, and I, but, okay, I, th- I had to get I that think, out. Sorry. I think as much as I was hyped for like the voice cast with like Donald Glover and Beyonce and everybody that those two people, I could, I thought they phoned it in. They, it didn't seem like they were good enough for the voice cast. It just felt off to me, you know, during that second half of the movie. I mean, I'll take Matthew Broderick back. Oh, for sure. That. Yeah. Um, I don't know who voiced Nala in the first movie. Um, yeah, to but be honest, I did I not have a problem either. with Beyonce's performance as much as Donald Glover's. He seemed, like you said, it sounded phoned in. Yeah. Um, like le- less emotional than I feel like it should be. Yeah. So I don't know. They, like for a movie that I feel like I was pretty hyped for, I don't think it made my anticipated list, but uh, I felt like I was pretty excited going into it. But yeah, after having watched it, I. I Definitely came out feeling disappointed. Um, yeah, maybe I'll just give you guys a t- chance to chime in before I jump out of my neck. Anything to add for Lion King? No, uh, but I know the movie stuff. you're going to put in your top ten. <laughs> I already, I already know what that is. I'm just. We'll see. Uh, next one I'm going to talk about was uh, Hobbs and Shaw, okay. which, again, I was pretty excited to see that one, and that one also left me disappointed. Oh, really? I, yeah, I uh, I think I expected it to just be like all over the place, but it still felt all over the place. I don't know. <laughs> it was even more it's... all over the place than what you were looking for. Yeah, I think. I mean, if if I guess if you listen to the last episode, you'll know Josh and I sort of made this agreement where he's going to actually sit down <laughs> and watch two Fast and Furious movies. So I don't know how much I want to spoil. If you watch Zombieland, but right, and you know we are going to do that. So this is pretty much a done deal. So eventually, you're going to. It's something that's going to happen in the franchise, but there's a character that dies that Jason Statham is responsible for killing. And they like, even in the the first movie that Jason Statham sort of shows up and starts teaming up as they, like almost going through this redemption thing. It's like, why the, why is no one going to acknowledge that he just killed one of their friends like the movie before? <laughs> and they're not even fucking acknowledging this. Like there's no reason he should be a good guy. This is, this is, Mike, this Bradley, this is the the Kylo Ren kills Han Solo, and now Kylo Ren's a good guy. Like this, yeah. is, this is the arc for me that I can't get behind. As awesome it is to see the two, like the Rock and him on screen as this buddy cop thing, I really like that dynamic. I think they're really good together. But I can't get over that hurdle of like you've killed off a main character. Why the fuck are you here? So in the case of these movies, I'll actually side with the filmmakers, whereas I with Kylo Ren, I side with. No, he killed Han Solo, he killed his dad, he's not redeemable, he had his shot, it's over. Yeah. But with these movies outside with the filmmakers, because I'd just say you're taking it way too serious, and it's just meant to be a dumb, fun movie. And I get that. I've made that argument for the past couple Fast and the Furious, is like, that's how I enjoy them, it's just popcorn movies. But for whatever reason, this is the one thing that's like, because maybe because they make it such a big deal in that universe, when it happens, that this is a thing they should be paying attention to, and this has some weight and then the movie after that, they're like, nope, forget it. We're we're good. Let's move on. 
It's because they like the dynamic between The Rock and Jason Statham, and that was yeah. the important thing, was putting that on screen again for money. That's and what these I movies say, are. Yeah. And, that, you know, they're probably already going to get, like, two or three other sequels from this this spinoff as well. Probably. Which, again, I will probably go see, because I'm a sucker for this kind of crap. Um, and I will say, there's a couple actually really fun cameos in the movie, which I enjoyed. Um, I was actually disappointed with the direction. Uh, David Leitch, who's one of the guys who co-directed John Wick, he did Deadpool 2. Um, he might have been the one that did Atomic Blonde. I'd have to double check that. Shaky can. Uh, yeah, for someone that I feel like should have learned how to direct action from John Wick in every one of those movies, Deadpool, Atomic Blonde, this one, I think they utilize a lot of that shaky cram crap. So, have you read any of the articles about like this the contract for Jason? I saw Statham, something the Rock the, on all, Twitter for that. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. uh, Vin Diesel that they have for these where they can't look too bad in a fight. Like, it's very hard for them to script these movies because I think Statham has it in his contract that he can't be seen to lose any fight on screen. And The Rock has to at least put up an equal fight if he's going to lose. And it's all this is all stuff in their contract. Yeah, I'd see something about, like, counting the number of hits they can take or the yeah. amount of kicks they can take. Versus what they give. Like, it's, it, yeah. like it's oh my god. It, and for a director, that's got to be like... What the fuck? And how still, do you? Even if, well, no. What I was going to say is, it, it with, with having actors that have all these stipulations in their contract, how do you use one shot segments? Like, how do you plan those out where it's like going to work that way? Because you have to edit out if like something in his contract comes up and he makes a big stink, like, "Well, I took three more hits in that scene that I'm supposed to take," and then you actually have to edit it afterwards. Why would so you you're even saying try to like begin they, with? they get around the contract? never showing them land a punch like cutting away from that action before it's actually technically getting hit well i'm saying that they're having to cut it anyways if they were going to go for the one shot things they would have to end up cutting it because there's no way they could perfect a one shot with all those contract agreements that they have to keep to at the same time yeah maybe so i don't know i just i expected more i think from his action stuntman stunt choreography background that I feel like action he having his name thrown around for certain action movies I feel like comes with uh Stigma. like a bar. Yeah, like he's he's set the bar for what action sequences should be and I I go into it with a higher bar what to expect and it I was very underwhelmed with what the movie gave me. That's Especially cuz the trailer spoiled the whole fucking movie. So all I got to do is watch a trailer and it's all there, which Well, I knew me that when I started seeing every trailer showing more and more and more different yeah. stuff and I'm like so I feel like I've seen 17 minutes of this movie already. Like, yeah, that was ridiculously stupid marketing. So, um, yeah, that's my that's my little rant for that one. I know Josh hasn't seen it. Mike, did you see that one or no? I was actually planning on going tomorrow. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> just shit on it all over the place. <laughs> yeah, like Amy's working from home. I was just going to take the day while she's watching. You know, she can watch the dogs and I can run out and watch a movie real quick. That she's not interested in at all. You know, I yeah. do that sometimes. If she's not interested at all, I'll hop out and go see it, which so, I did that for Detective Pikachu. <laughs> so my my house yeah. was the exact opposite because I had n- obviously no interest in this and my wife went with Brian to see it. Yes. Yes. Fair enough. I think I think even Sarah and I but like we both talked about the movie. I think we both kind of felt 
underwhelmed from it. I think she enjoyed it more than I did, but <laughs> I think we both came out not... We expected, I think, to come out really hyped and excited about it, and was like, meh. So is this is this going to be one of the two that you pick for me to watch? No, hell no. No, no, no. There's... I, I think we talked about this. I'm, I've been really going back and forth. Do I start you with what I think you should watch sort of in order, assuming that maybe we'll get to more, or do I start with the two that I like the most because they are they are different films? Can I have input? Can I get in on this? Uh, Sure. I mean, I, I will do the triumvirate. You guys can pick a film that I haven't watched or have been averse to watching. Something with Joaquin Phoenix, probably. Um <laughs> And make me watch that. I'll, I'll get in on this because. Meaning, you just want to sit and watch Josh watch Fast and the Furious? Well, no, I I kind of I feel like you should give him a taste of the good and the bad. Oh, so well, okay, so you're you, wait, so so there you're is good taking to be the had in the Fast and the Furious series, and there is bad to be had in the Fast and the Furious series. There's really bad, and there's good. Okay, so how? So what's what's the trade? You you watch. Oh wait! wait you'll, you guys you'll watch Joaquin to... Phoenix movies, and I'll watch more Fast and Furious. Is that the idea? <laughs> well, no, I, I get in on it. You, he's got to watch Zombieland, and you've got to watch Fast and the Furious, and you guys figure out something I have to watch. Oh, I see. Just make it a try. I just want. Right. I want. I want okay. input that. Like, I want to make sure he has to watch Too Fast, Too Furious. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's one I would avoid. That, well, no, I'm saying because it's bad. I want to make sure it gets in there. See, I'm, yeah, I, like I'm I said, trying, good I, and the bad. I would do one of the good and one of the bad. I feel like this is a conversation we have to have off air, but I don't want Fair to enough. like immediately turn him off from this franchise. I'm kind of trying to hook him with something. So he have may him watch Fast enjoy. Five first. That's the thing. Like five and six are my favorites, but if we're trying to set up what continuity they try to do, I think one and four are the better places to start. If you're watching two, yeah, two and three are irrelevant, really. Yeah, although I like three. See, three still well. No, I love Tokyo I Drift. It's been a while since I I've seen that one. Obviously, the least amount, but two is looking back at two. Two is pretty bad. Oh, it's awful. So, but yeah. So, all right, we'll we'll talk. We'll, yeah, you we'll figure, figure this you, out. You figure that. <laughs> um, third movie for me that I saw that I think is as of right now in my top ten is uh, Stuber. Really? Wow, that is not what I expect. I was totally thinking Toy Story was going to pop up here. Yeah, it's you know, Toy Story is one that I saw and I did enjoy it. I, I guess, I guess, yeah, I guess we never really talked about that one too. Um, to, yeah, Toy Story was good. Uh, the ending still kind of doesn't sit with me as well as I would have liked what is supposed to be the final Toy Story to be. I thought the ending for three was a lot better than the ending for four. Uh, but it's still really good. It might crack my top ten. I'd have to actually try to put the list together to see where Toy Story fits. But uh, Stuber, I thought was fucking hilarious. That's... And I thought they did a really good job explaining. There's actually a plot point as to why Dave Bautista is in the car with Kumail. Okay. That, that makes sense for the movie. Um, I didn't realize Karen Gillan was in the movie. She is Dave Bautista's cop partner at the beginning of the movie. Why would they not advertise yeah. that? That would have made a big difference for me. I actually think she's on one of the posters. It's just she's not a main part of the movie. So she's not getting front and center like Bautista is. Yeah, still, they could advertise it, like, with Karen Gillan, and, yeah. uh, and right there, you're like, oh, and it, it, it draws your attention. It's like, okay, yeah, another name I know is in the movie. It, it, at the very least, if you're not a fan, you even know who it is. <laughs> like, you know who that is, so right. it helps. 
So yeah, I'm a little bit sad that the movie did not do very well. I think I, I like two or three weeks after it was released, I had to go down the waterfront because it was like the only place that was still playing the movie. Oh wow! So it did not last very long in theaters. It did not make a lot of money, but I think it's very underrated considering what it made and maybe what the reviews were doing. Uh, so yeah, if you get a chance to check out Stuber, I would actually highly recommend that one. When well, that pops up on digital, I will absolutely watch. Now, I wasn't really that interested from the previews. Like it looked like okay, it has some funny moments, but there's a know. couple like a couple things that happened that had me in stitches, and I don't want to say what they were. We'll have to talk after someone has seen the movie. But fair enough. Yeah, some of that stuff I think will will stick with me to the point where I'll just laugh thinking about it, and I can't wait to pick it up and watch it on when it comes out. So that's my three. That's what I've seen movie wise. Fair enough. Uh, we'll bring it back to round the mic. So, what do you want to do? TVs or whatever. I mean, you pick the category. Whatever, whatever you want to cover. Um, I'll go to reading next. We'll, we'll, okay. we'll go off viewing and we'll go to reading. Um, I'll be honest. I don't have anything for reading. So, if you guys have, whatever you guys have is is good for you guys. For me, it's just comics. I don't actually have any books. Um, okay. Because I haven't been reading any books. I've been reading comics. Um, I recently read Craven's Last Hunt for the first time. Yeah. Um, okay. I had never read that storyline before because I, I think I had read like the Amazing Spider-Man, the two issues that tied that to it, but not like the other ones that were in Web of Spider-Man and things gotcha. Spectacular okay. Spider-Man. So I never read the whole series, and that was fantastic. Um, I feel like that's one of those uh, arcs that always gets thrown around as like if we're if they're making a Spider-Man sequel, they should do Craven's Last Hunt as, I, as I a movie version. That. I would watch Craven's Last Hunt as a movie. That would be amazing. I feel like maybe they would have to introduce Craven as a character prior to that film, though. Okay. You know, just to give it, like, maybe he doesn't play a major role, but he shows up. Okay. And you get some character development. Like, I feel like he has to have some weight to his character for multiple films for it to really stick. Um, gotcha. Okay. Which, but as, yeah, a, I would... as a sidebar, I'm actually hoping that is something that they do a better job of with the Spider-Man standalone films, if they're going to continue with those, is not... And maybe because I've gotten spoiled with it, with a lot of the massive arc of the MCU overall, is while the Vulture and Mysterio were fun, and like the actors did a good job... Um, it felt a little bit back to that formula of here's your monster of the week, here's your here's yeah. your disposable villain, as opposed to there's something something at all being seated in a prior chapter. Now I th- I, th- I think Far From Home makes up for that a little bit by giving Mysterio the particular backstory in the MCU that they do, but yeah. but if it had still like if some kind of breadcrumb if some exposure to those ideas the characters something had been there beforehand it would have landed even better um so i think what you're suggesting for craven would be a uh, a good idea for them to to do yeah it would be fun i mean i've read you know many other stories with craven for spider-man but i'd never read that one specifically because it was a you know it's, i think it was a six issue arc that they did and most of craven's stories were single issue previously uh-huh. um so that one itself um if you've never read craven's last hunt go look up the comics you got to read to do it find a graphic novel whatever it's fantastic um 
another one that I went that uh, I was kind of inspired by Marvel saying they were going to do the Eternals movie officially. So I went and found um, the 2006 run of Eternals that was um, Neil Gaiman, John Romita Jr. uh, doing this run. And I knew nothing about them going in. There is almost no major connection to other characters in the Marvel Universe for the Eternals. So they're kind of like going in cold to a story. And it was very, very interesting. Um, You know, it's 13 years old at this point, so it's not really spoilers to say like they have really heavy ties to the Celestials. Um, and not to spoil any of the story because you guys may be inspired to go back and read them now that they're doing the movie as well but um, yeah they're definitely going to be an interesting addition um, for the MCU I can see lots of different routes that could take and have major major implications um hopefully this is phase four's guardians of the galaxy you know like this next major step for the mcu um there's it's definitely there with the potential uh for the characters that i can see um i think i mentioned it to brian prior to an episode maybe or maybe just i don't know that, that might have been at the convention that we talked about it yeah, maybe. Um, that it feels like Angelina Jolie would be perfect for one of these characters that's in the comic, and she was cast for a different one. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. so it's kind of a strange feeling for me at this point. I'm kind of like, well, because I was reading it, and I didn't, and like I willed myself not to look up who was playing who before I finished uh, the arc. And I said, oh, well, that's that's got to be Angelina Jolie's character as I'm reading it, as I'm reading the character. I'm like, that perfectly fits. And nope, completely wrong. So um, we shall see. But there is other Eternal stories I want to go back and read now and see what their real origin is from the Marvel Universe, see how similar it is. Gotcha. Um, and then there's two others. Um one is Rage of Ultron, was a graphic novel done in 2015, um, and this is one of the better comic stories I've read in a long time. Um, hmm, all right. th- this focuses a lot more on the familial relationship that Hank Pym has with Ultron, hmm. where he kind of has like a strange father-son relationship with him it whereas like vision is kind of dealing with the same kind of relationship with ultron that hank's dealing like so like ultron and vision having the father-son kind of complex playing with hank pym and ultron having the same kind of thing um, i almost feel like we need to make a time out for a second just for people that are listening to this if you've only watched the mcu stuff tony stark does not make ultron in the comic books Yes, no, the, yeah, Hank Pym uh, <laughs> designs Ultron in the comics, and Ultron <laughs> actually makes Vision kind of the way he does in the movie. Um, and in, in this particular case, like, it revolves around 
Hank wanting to kill Ultron permanently and Vision having a problem with how he wants to do it. And Hank develops a device which would effectively kill any artificial intelligence existing um, in its, you know, like, radius of being hit, whatever. Um, and he uses it on a group of supervillains without, like, informing the team that he had even made it. And it, it sparks an interesting debate between him and Vision about whether or not he actually just murdered them or not because they weren't actually people. And Vision, of course, is very offended by this and all that because Vision really isn't a person. (laughs) He would fall in that same category. Um, So it was a very, very interesting start. That's kind of where, like, that's kind of like the inciting action that starts off the series. Um, The big events, you could say, that happen. Um, Ultron. Don't spoil it if you're. Getting into the specifics. Uh, it's not really a spoiler, but let's just say there there is some play in for Thanos and other Titans. I'll leave it at that. Okay. Um, they're, they're a part of this story as well. Okay. Um, and with that, I'll say definitely read it. Um, it's a, like a hundred page or so graphic novel, so it's not a huge read, um, but it is fantastic. And the last thing I've been reading is the 2018 run of Deadpool, which is, uh, I guess it's still currently ongoing. Um, I haven't caught up to current yet, working on it. Um, but Deadpool at the start of, or at the end of the last series, the 2016 series, Deadpool, like, executes a mind wipe on himself. So when he comes back here, he is already mind wiped and dealing with it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, some familiar faces show up here for Deadpool fans. Hydra Bob is, of course, there. Um, but they bring in Negasonic Teenage Warhead to be kind of the buddy cop for this. Which... Works great. They're, they're, you know, they're going with what the Deadpool movies created for the character. Um, I was going to say, as a comic book version of the character or a movie character or movie version of the m- character? More the movie, char- mo- movie character version where she's a snarky teenage girl who okay. is plays off well with De- Deadpool. Um, I feel like I remember reading uh, like Joss Whedon's X-Men, Astonishing X-Men run. And Negasonic turns up in there, and I'm like, you are not what I remember seeing from the Deadpool movie. <laughs> no, yeah. The the standard comic version of Negasonic is very much a different personal character. The powers, depending on who writes Negasonic, are either very similar, where she's, you know, roughly the same as in the movies... Yeah. Way underpowered than she is in the movies or way overpowered than she is in the movies. It, I would say this version is much more powerful than what's in the movies. Gotcha. But the personality okay. rides the movie personality. Okay. Um, shaved head, everything like that. Like it's 
the yeah, the only okay. other depiction I've ever seen of Negasonic that way is in this comic. The okay. movie in this All comic, right. that's it. So gotcha. they're they're definitely going for that intentionally. Um, but yeah, th- there's a hilarious sequence. Deadpool ends up in wir- weird world, uh, looking for a target. Um, and he gets trapped in time, and basically. He jumps out of the plane where Hydra Bob and Negasonic are kind of just there to retrieve him after he executes the mark, you know, performs the hit, whatever. Yeah. And not to spoil the comic, but they start getting texts and video chat back from him through like 10 years worth of him being down there just seconds after he jumped out of the plane. <laughs> um and, you know, of course, chaos ensues while he's down there and crazy shit happens. It's fun. Um, definitely nice. worth reading this run of Deadpool. It's been very good so far. Cool. Uh, I guess, Josh, are you reading anything? Anything to chime in? Um, I surprisingly like yes and no. Um, it took me like a year because I am not a dedicated reader and I'm a slow reader uh, I finally got through American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Yeah, okay. Uh, not that I didn't enjoy it. I liked the story. Um, I, I choose to do other things with my time. Um, and I, I, I wish that I spent more time actually reading. <laughs> no, I do. And and, and then I, I am a slow reader when, when I when I do have a book up. So uh, it, it's something I got to work on. I really, really do. Um, after that, I actually uh, read the first book in what will be a trilogy uh i will plug this for her because i i literally did read it um basically like through the month of like mid-june to mid-july uh it's a book called sinless s-i-n-l-e-s-s it is by a wonderful friend of my wife's uh her name is her name is sarah tarkoff uh t-a-r-k-o-f-f uh they knew each other from high school uh sarah among other things, has been a screenwriter for the show Arrow for a couple of years. Oh, I do remember Sarah telling me about the hurry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, among some other things, uh, her first book in the trilogy was published last year. The second one was released earlier this year. And I think the third is uh, supposed to be released sometime next year. Um, it's... I, I, I don't want to miscategorize it. I'd say if broad strokes i guess you'd initially maybe put it in the realm of young adult um it kind of reminds me a bit of like but the flavor of young adult that's more like the maze runner okay type type of mood um the i kind of so i guess the premise the opening of the book is that around i think i'm like it it's it takes place in the slight future so the main events take place close to the year like 2030 and around like our time now maybe between like 2015 and 2020 um the world experiences what it believes is a real exposure to like an omnipotent godlike power and the world changes based on that and human behavior base changes based on that. Um, the way that people um, ha- from that point forward begin to 
physiologically react to things that they feel they do wrong, it actually physically manifests. Oh, okay. Um, and that's kind of the opening of the book, right? So that's the stage they set for you. And then the story itself yeah, yeah. takes place in that world through yeah. that through that line. Um, so the, the, the first book is called Sinless. Uh, the second is called Fearless. Now, I took a pause in between these two uh, because... I'm actually, I mean, this isn't like even really like a good topic. I just, we're, we're planning a vacation for next year. So I'm like, what I am reading right now is like one of those travel company books on Ireland. <laughs> uh, so that's, I mean, you got to prepare. That's what I'm going to be consumed with for the next two or three months. Um, that's yeah, <laughs> but I would definitely recommend Sarah's stuff. Um, and obviously Neil Gaiman is a freaking genius so anything that he's ever written uh i think this kind of passed by us quickly maybe in during one of our little breaks that i believe it was made official that netflix is like 100 percent genuinely for real actually developing a sandman series i think i i think i heard that was finalized. I feel like I remember hearing that, but I also thought I remember hearing that whoever the showrunner was had already left, and then they're trying to get somebody else, so I didn't know where that was at. That could be the case, but at the very least, I think it has been, like, official, well, if that's the case even, like, I, the story I heard was basically Warner Brothers has had the rights for years, and after some of their missteps or the position they find themselves in they basically sold the production rights they sold the the ownership adaptation rights rather to netflix as a way to raise capital yeah okay, okay. um so so it, it was like at least confirmed that netflix owns the property and i can't see there's a whole lot that netflix goes into that doesn't end up coming to light especially something that big so right. i don't know what kind of timetable it'll be on uh, but at the very least, um, everybody should read the Sandman run. It is so imaginative and, and it's so damn good. Oh, and well, actually, related to that, uh, uh, not to jump over to TV real quick, but I will say that, because um, I know we need to go I mean, to you. feel free. I got nothing to read. So. Are you sure? Okay, well, then we'll just yeah, we'll parlay over to, to the TV side. Uh, Sarah and I watched Good Omens on on amazon prime which is again another adapted neil gaiman property uh interesting premise which is a an angel and uh, a paragon a demon you know whatever you want to call him it's not the devil but he's definitely you know a demon i suppose is uh they 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 meet in the garden of eden and then kind of become like these weird friends throughout human history and for about whatever, you know, X number of thousands of years, they go through it up until like an event that is coming to fruition in modern day. Uh, and it's Michael Sheen who plays the angel and David Tennant who plays the demon. They are absolutely delightful. Like they, they, they both of them 100% deserve Emmy nominations for their respective performances like even if the other one wasn't there they they play off each other tremendously well and the one's personality always enhances the other so it just keeps building and it just gets better um but it's 100 recommend that 
I wouldn't expect yeah, I remember, anything less from the two of them. So I remember seeing the trailer, I think, for that and thinking that looked fun to watch. And I, I think I realized it came out, but I haven't sat down to try to watch it yet. But yeah, I, I definitely think I should check that out. It, yeah, it's it's on Prime. So if you're an Amazon Prime user, it's included in your streaming. I don't know if it, it's probably available for rent or purchase if you're not a Prime men- member. I would right, say. right. But try, try to get a hold of it at some point. It is. Um, it's only six episodes. So it's you get yeah, through okay. it real, right. real quick, but it's really, really good. Cool. Um, stay, before you move on to anything else, I'll s- stick right to Amazon Prime and say The Boys is out of this world fun. Um, that 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 would be like number one on my list for TV to watch for somebody would be The Boys. Brian, you'll handle it. It's not that bad. Yeah, I I had seen like the uh, like people online basically glowing about that show and it's definitely something i'm curious about but then i also wasn't sure like the hyper violent side of it if i would be okay with that <laughs> um I, I honestly i don't think there's anything there that is that bad um in terms of like the violence that would put you off where like you don't get i think you only really get a good look the gore like one time in the whole thing the rest of it's kind of like you see there's a superman ish character yeah who you know this isn't the comic books or anything when he hits somebody with laser eyes they fall to pieces you know they get (laughs) they actually get destroyed by it it's like finally seeing logan and what the claws would do to somebody right similar idea but it's always done at a distance like you're not like there's one moment where it's not but at the same time it's not really bad because it's like Like i think i'd seen i'd seen one of the trailers which made me laugh but at the same time slightly disgusted me where like the guy that runs really fast like runs through someone and yeah that's i mean that's (laughs) within the first like what happens if you run into two. someone at super speed and that's exactly what would happen so yeah that, understand that. <laughs> that that's kind of like one of the um inciting incidents in the show that's not really a spoiler like yeah the, the main character's the girlfriend gets exploded by uh one of the superheroes who's a flash character but he's not the flash they, yeah. All of the characters kind of play off that there's an aquaman that's not aquaman a wonder woman that's not wonder woman so on and so forth yeah. Um but yeah, he runs through her and like you said exactly what would happen just poof. <laughs> um they did kind of the same gag in Brightburn where the kid like the kid does that to a police chief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um which is much more unsettling there because like you you knew what was coming that they were going to be harmed by him or something in this it was more like it, it just kind of happens where it's like a a flash on the screen and then she's gone and there's a big giant like it's it's like a splash of blood you know what i mean like it's yeah. not anything more than that but then you know her boyfriend's there left holding the arms is all that's <laughs> left i would say that's probably the goriest moment on the show so if you can get past that first minute and a half of the show, you've probably seen the goriest <laughs> moment. Now, mind you, if you got an up close look at what was happening to some of the people that he was that, that they that get killed, yeah, maybe. Um, 
but at the same time, it's just such a good satirical take on what we love so much with the superhero movies and the MCU and all this stuff that we love so much. It's a very good satirical take on it. Um, they're like a corporate owned super team. Um, okay. And cause it's based yeah. on a comic or graphic novel or something, right? Isn't it? I believe. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm not actually certain of that, but I okay. believe so. Yeah, I thought it was it was based I thought it was based on something. Um, but yeah, I think just the the glowing reviews I was seeing online and everybody seems to be talking about that first season as being really solid and having a really good ending to the first season cliffhanger type thing. Yes, very much. The only thing I'll say is it felt like half a season. Like okay. it, it, well, it felt like there was a conclusion a little bit, but it I like you know they're gonna make multiple seasons with something like that because they know they have a hit, so they're gonna right. make it end that way. But I still would have preferred a better wrap up to at least one of the storylines. Okay. I'm not gonna get into what, but yeah, because I definitely think I, I, the more I hear about it and the more I read about it, I definitely want to try to check it out. So it's a, it's on my list. I will I will get to it. Fair enough. Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt Josh's list of TV. No, that's that was figured while you were on Amazon Prime. Yeah, and actually that you know. that will probably be what I push for after we finish our current one um cuz we went through Jessica Jones season 3 uh through like the second half of July, which I got to say I actually really enjoyed. I thought it was really solid. Kind of sad that especially that show is ending. Yeah. Um Luke Cage, I don't know how much with the way that like the last episode and a half of that second season ended i'm like wow this went away i did not see coming and i don't know if it would really be interesting to keep watching and then iron see that part interests me i think i think where they left luke cage at the end of season two i was like okay let's see where this goes now like, I, 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 I feel agree. like they painted that like they almost painted him into a corner character wise and i want to see how they got out of it yeah maybe um uh, i don't know if i i probably couldn't handle another 10 to 13 hours of that Oh, I definitely think all those seasons should be eight episodes from here yeah, on out. I they, think 13 stretched. is too many. Well, there is no from here on out, unfortunately. Right, yeah. right. If they Which were is, making more. I mean, personally, that's why I didn't watch Jessica Jones yet, because I'm, like, kind of depressed that it's over. and Do, you know, do yourself a you favor. You know there's nothing and, else coming. Yeah, very true. And it's, like, the last of the last. Like, Punisher was done before it. Daredevil was done before mm-hmm. it. But um, it goes out on a really good note. Like, the, the showrunners of that, the writers, they found a way like it goes it i think out of the out of all like the four or five netflix shows it it was the one that went the most different directions in and of itself but they all felt perfectly natural like it it was it was all good choices from like you know first episode of season one to the last episode of season three okay um brian did you not get into it yet either then I, I didn't watch the second season of Punisher. I didn't watch the third season of Jessica Jones. Okay. Punisher. I mean, obviously not that they're related whatsoever. I, I would say I liked what they did with Jessica better than Punisher. Like, I, I didn't... I th- I was surprised that they did what they did with Punisher after the way season one ended. I thought it could have been something very different. Um, yeah. wasn't bad per se, but I just thought there was something much stronger waiting there for them that they right. could have done uh but we finished jessica and then actually out of nowhere 
I mean, at least I think out of nowhere. Um, Sarah said, uh, hey, do you want to start Shit's Creek? That's on <laughs> Netflix. I'm like, uh, I guess so. It's like been sitting on our list or, you know, I keep coming across it for the last three years. So sure. <laughs> um, it's pretty funny where it, it, it's not bad. It's only like maybe 13 episodes a season. They're like 20 to 25 minutes. Um, it's real streamlined. Uh, it, it's, it's pretty funny so far. I, I, I hope they can continue like through 50 some episodes that are out so far to keep it fresh. Cause the, so like, the, the basis of it is Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara play the main characters basically. Okay. And they are the parents of a family who, I guess they're, they they built up a family fortune of having a blockbuster type of like giant video rental empire. Okay. Um, and it all kind of crashes down, and not because at least by the show's explanation, not because like the industry collapsed, but because their accountant like fudged the books and stole all their money and left the country. <laughs> um, and one of the weirdest parts. Like, you get over it pretty quickly, but somehow in the past, Eugene Levy's character as the dad, for a, as a joke present to his son, I think, who's like a grown man, his children are like in their mid-twenties, playing, you know, their char- characters are in like mid to late twenties, I think, um, he bought a town, which I don't know how a private citizen buys a, a town, but he was <laughs> permitted to do this, and the town's name, the town is called Shit's Creek. <laughs> okay um and that's why he bought it because he says that that's why it was funny to actually to not just <laughs> mention it because but the, the joke is it's funny to actually buy it it's it's literal you are up shit right and so they uh when they're left with nothing they technically own the deed to this i guess unincorporated town so they go to live out of a motel there so it's okay. definitely like so far it's a lot of like fish out of water for a bit of like massively rich people living in this podunk town in this you know right so that's the part that I'm hoping they keep fresh because you can only do that for so long because before it comes stale um, right but anything that Eugene Levy has been involved in writing in the past especially like his input on any of the car not oh not the Carl Reiner movies the uh, the Christopher Guest movies um like. Well, I don't know if he was involved in Spinal Tap, but uh, Best in Show, For Your Consideration, A Mighty Wind, any of those. It definitely has that sensibility to it. Um, okay. It's a different format. It's obviously not like the, you know, like interview mockumentary style that those movies are. But definitely, definitely right. has the same kind of sensibility. But uh, yeah, we're we're enjoying it so far. Cool. Uh, as far as TV, I think that's about it. I'm just kind of waiting for the fall TV shows to get back. Well, really, for me, really, only like the Flash, and then and then I'm yeah. really excited to see what uh, the crossover Crisis on Infinite Earths event is like this year. Yeah, there was a couple of details from Comic Con that came out for Crisis that I I feel like I'd rather not know that. Like I'd rather just see some of that stuff as, as a surprise, but. The stuff that I've I've read or caught headlines for is that sounds like such an ambitious 
big fucking crossover that I can't I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, it, it's going to be good. And so once that, I think I've talked about this before, like once I know now, okay, Arrow is going to be bookended either at the end of this half season or maybe it'll carry through a full season into the spring, but knowing sort of where the end of that is. Same with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like I know after this upcoming year, it'll be over. Yeah. So at some point, I'll, I'll know the full breadth of what I'm getting into when I go to start. Yeah, they... um. But I think Arrow finishes. It might even be done with the crossover because it's like eight to ten episodes or something for this yeah, final that's what season. It feels so like if, they, if, you're, if you're going to do something that huge, if you could easily work in in an organic ending for right. that, rather than have something so massive and then still carry out another twelve episodes that still right. have to have a satisfying conclusion otherwise. Yeah, because they they added Batwoman to the schedule, and I don't think Legends starts until right before or right around the crossover. So it's like I think Arrow ends basically at the crossover or shortly after. Legends starts before the crossover or right at, at the crossover. So they almost like trade yeah. off those two shows to keep the slate full. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think Legends is one of the most underrated DC shows on television right now. I fucking love that show. I will I will hype the crap out of that show for anybody that listens to me. It's one I'll definitely have to try to, to find time for at some point. I, I think, like, the tone of that show changed, uh, I feel like, a lot from season one to the seasons they're on now. Just even from one to two. Like, it, I think by the time season two rolls around, they realize that the, the cast could... Like, the characters, I think, were, were more fun together and, and play off each other pretty well. And they realized how absurd some of the storylines were, and they just really have fun with mm-hmm. it. It becomes... In, like Arrows tries to keep that dark, moody, gritty tone. Um, Flash was still like the lighthearted one compared to Arrow, but then even Flash started to get dark late in some of the later seasons. Legends of Tomorrow came around and I feel like got very lighthearted and fun and plays like a, a tongue in cheek approach to their storylines and what they're doing. And I just think it's really fucking cool. So anyway, my two cents. <laughs> No, that's good. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, I think, all for me in that area. I feel like, Josh, out of the, the ones we mentioned, I definitely would recommend to you, I'd, I'd rather you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and see what you think of that show, mm-hmm. trying to get through it. Okay. That would be that would be my top tier pick for you. Legends would be number two, but, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think would be top pick. Okay. I uh, will see what we fit in. Uh, Mike TV, what do you got? Anything else? Um, I just recently purchased and have been, I guess, rewatching after a long time the Batman the Animated Series. Oh, you bastard! Oh um, uh, yeah. Uh, they they put it up on Prime for like twenty five bucks a season. I was like, sold. Okay, I you know like I just had to do it. Um, and of course those are amazing. So I mean that's always yeah. pretty damn good. Um, but as far as other new stuff. Um, started recently watching comedians in cars getting coffee <laughs> and, uh, that was actually, it, it's quite a delightful little series to just kind of pop on while you're having breakfast. Yeah. You know, like it, it, there's some fun, there's some of them that you're like, I have no idea who this person is, but it's still Jerry Seinfeld. So some of it works and you know, um, is that, yeah, it, it, I'm sorry. Is that officially now like a Netflix production or did they just carry yes. it? Yeah. Cause that started on like YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, it's a Netflix production now. They have God, was it five seasons of it? Okay. I mean good. Like, there's good for a him. lot there. 
I mean, I think they took maybe what they did originally, and then Netflix has been building on top of maybe the first two seasons or something. Okay, okay. Um, But yeah, I mean, for anybody who hasn't watched it, Jerry Seinfeld introduces you to some awesome classic car, or in the case of like the Michael Richards episode, he gets him an old shitty rusted out VW bus. (laughs) Um, But he introduces some awesome classic car, tells you all about it, and then he goes to pick up some other comedian. Um in the car to go and get coffee or breakfast or whatever. Um, you know, it, it, all the way from Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner to somebody like Aziz Ansari. You really, you know, it's kind of, you never know who he's going to pop up with in the next episode. And again, some of them are fun and some of them are weird. <laughs> um, seeing him converse with some people. That, yeah. you know, like there's been a, a few where he obviously has like no common ground with the person he's talking to and it gets <laughs> a little bit awkward, but for the most part, it, it, it's a lot of fun to just sit down and watch. Um, Fair enough. And other than that, I really can't think of anything new that I have been watching television wise. Um, okay. Yeah. Pretty much. Mike, Rook. I kind of just want to spin back around to like the DC stuff for you. Do you watch any of the Arrow, Flash, any of that stuff? No. Yeah, still haven't started. I've been like contemplating starting, but it's such a big commitment to start from scratch on them. Yep. Like I watched the first season of Arrow a long time ago. Yeah. Um, like when it first came out is when I watched the first season of Arrow when it was like still live on television for those. Um, the first two seasons of that show I think are top tier for those DC shows. The first two seasons of Arrow, I think, are really, really good. You think that like those are the best seasons they've got? Out of out of the series right now, yes. I, that, I think that, they've got to top those first two seasons. Of just Arrow or of all of them? Of just Arrow. Oh, I think okay. some of the seasons of Flash, like even the first two seasons of Flash, are, I think might be my favorite. I just, I thought, I didn't really enjoy the first season of Arrow that much. Um, okay. So if that was going to be the best they were going to offer, I may not have been as. Well, I'll give you. I'll give you devoted. one word for season two of Arrow. Deathstroke. Yeah, I heard about that, and that's. I don't know. He was he was a very redeeming factor for me for season two. And I really like that's Manu Bennett, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's. Yeah, it's there. In the Flash <laughs> series, I've wanted to watch again. It's like that. You pop it on, and it's like this many seasons of this show, and then this many seasons of this show, and then this many seasons of this show, and you're caught up, and it's like that's a well. Lot. The only, yeah, the only confusing thing of of that whole universe is like you almost have to watch the seasons concurrently somehow, because they do inter interweave, especially with the crossovers. Like when you get to the crossover, you appreciate the crossover so much more, knowing where each show is coming from when they hit the crossover. So if you're only watching arrow and you hit the crossover and flash characters and legends characters all come in there you don't it's i feel like you you lose a little bit not knowing what's going on in every other show right and and that adds like to homework that i have to do to know when i should be watching which show yeah and that's that sounds like a lot of work and it just it, it became an intimidating universe to pick up yes so i agree it's intimidating for me just to keep up with it all yeah, and 
I mean, I do. I would argue. I think it's worth checking out if you've enjoyed some of the shows a little bit that you've watched. Well, I mean, you don't sound like you're too thrilled with Arrow, so I don't know how you'd feel about the other ones. But I mean, among the characters, I never really cared for Oliver Queen much myself. Um, yeah. So the Flash might be more my speed, but even as DC generally goes, there's not a lot of it that I was that into. Like Batman, I was always very much a fan of Batman. I could read yeah. some Justice League stuff, some Superman stuff. Um, but really, for me, it was like Batman, Green Lantern, and that was about all I really read and kept up with. And So maybe I'll, I'll try to narrow it down for you, Mike. I would, if, you, if you're thinking about doing it, I'd recommend, like, stick with the first season of Flash and see how you think. See what you think. Okay. Um, I... I was thinking maybe do the first season of Legends, but I think that might play better having watched the second season of... See, now I'm trying to remember when characters are introduced, because the Legends characters are built up of like secondary characters from Flash and Arrow, and I don't remember when those characters show up in each of those shows. Well, I know they, I, like, I know some things. Like, I know they introduced, what, Huntress into Arrow? She's, a, she's like a guest star. She's in a couple episodes, and that's it. Okay. But, like, uh, White Canary in, in Legends is in a lot of Season 2 of Arrow. Um, the Atom comes from Flash. I think that might be... Well, even, I guess, Arrow, too. So he might even be second season of Arrow, first season of Flash. Um, Heatwave and Captain Cold are Flash villains. Um, I think Hawkman and Hawkgirl show up in a one of the crossovers. I think that might be during the third season of Arrow to the second season of Flash. See, now I'm trying to get all my things straight. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I get that. I, if you're just thinking about you want to jump in, I'd say watch the first season of Flash. If you enjoy that and sort of want to branch out for there, then we can you and I can talk. We can sort of get a game plan for you to, to decide where to go next. Fair enough. Um. Anyway, but the reason I sort of brought that up and spun that around, the, you were talking about the Batman animated series. One of the headlines I read from San Diego was that Kevin Conroy is somehow voicing or playing a Batman or Bruce Wayne character in Infinite Crisis in, in Infinite Earths. I saw that story too, and I was like, you know, and that, that that brings me to one thing I wanted to mention from something I did watch. I did watch the new Hush film. I, I forgot about that. Yeah, okay. Um, and I was, was that any good? They they. They pull a right turn from the comic book, a left turn, right turn, whatever you want to call it. I said it wrong. It's a left turn. But they <laughs> they, they take a left turn from the comic book and the way the ending goes. So that was welcomed because just knowing how it's going to end would kind of yeah. ruin Hush. That being said, I am still not a fan of Jason O'Mara um, doing Batman. And it just makes you miss Kevin Conroy every time you hear him talk. <laughs> you're like, no. Um, yeah. Like, the rest of the cast, decent enough. Not, not really a problem. Um, but I, I just don't like him as Batman. So Yeah. But yeah, seeing Kevin Conroy show up as Batman again in anything, I'm like, yes! Yeah, I'm I'm happy for him. He's actually getting actual screen time in how, whatever this role's going to be. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah, like, I could honestly see myself just watching that. Just to see yeah. him show up as Batman again. Yeah. Even if I don't know the context of everything else. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, you guys are good. Is it on me now, I think? Yep. 
for this? Okay. Um, the only I've only been sort of piecing or trying to get through one TV show right now. I think I mentioned to these guys. I don't know if I mentioned it on air. I uh, picked up the first season of Star Trek Discovery on Blu-ray. So I, I'm trying to stay away from signing up for CBS All Access. If I can buy the physical copies somewhere down the line, I, I'm trying to do that. Um, so I bought season one. I'm probably about three-fourths of the way through it. I think I have one disc to, f- to go through. Um, and I, I'm really digging it. I think they, they obviously go through like some Star Trek tropes and, and the, you know, stuff you'd expect from a Star Trek series, but I still think they put some different twists on stuff and characters and events and stuff that, that I'm still surprised by what happens. And I'm really enjoying where they're taking characters and the, the way they're playing out the story. I, I haven't wrapped it up yet. I think I have three or four episodes left to go. So I'm, I'm, Definitely curious and looking forward to seeing how it finishes, but three-fourths of the way through, I, I would definitely recommend checking it out. So I don't know if you... I th- we had this conversation before, Mike. I can't remember. Was it not on Amazon Prime, or it is on Amazon Prime to rent? Um, with a CBS subscription, you can see it okay. there, but you can't buy it. Okay. So it's still they still want you to go through CBS All Access to try to watch it. Yeah, like it shows up if you look up, look it up on Amazon Prime, but there's no option to yeah. purchase it. It says like okay. requires CBS subscription or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if I'd point anybody to the All Access unless you want some sort of other streaming service for something. But I guess if you can find the Blu-ray black set online, I think I, I picked it up for under 20 bucks at some point. I caught it on sale. I mean, um, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, grab it when it's cheap, If is basically what I'm saying. I was just gonna say, like with with all access, you're basically just purchasing the right to watch that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like unless you're really hard up to have a digital version of Big Bang Theory to watch, which I think is the only other show <laughs> that they keep exclusive to it. If I'm not mistaken, like you can get all the other CBS shows elsewhere, but Big Bang Theory and Star Trek they keep exclusive. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm. 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 I almost feel like Picard's going to pull me in and I'm going to want to watch Picard when it's out. And if I, if I decide to do CBS all access at that point, at least I can sort of catch up to discovery. Cause they're in the, they finished season two. I think they're going to go into season three, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do like it. I enjoy it. Well, when so you finish that's... with it, maybe I'll borrow it. Okay. <laughs> like, Fair enough. I can, we can that do can that. Be my inroad to discovery. Yeah. Because I, I am actually I'm anxious to talk about it with someone, so I would like someone else to watch it. See what see if they share my thoughts on this. Because I'm I'm I can speak very highly of it. I feel like yeah. I mean I mean for this me is... it's not like an aversion to CBS or anything like that. It's just like a you have one show that you're trying to draw me in with and nothing else. Yeah, and that's why I won't purchase the product. <laughs> it's like you have one thing and nothing. That's that's it. And I don't know about you, so, but I like I've watched some of the other Star Trek shows. Like I never watched the original series when it was on. I remember watching reruns of Next Generation. I don't. I probably watched it all out of order because it was like one of those Saturday evening type of like four or five o'clock shows that I always remember just watching around dinner time when I was little, just having it on. Yeah. Um. I remember I I didn't watch Deep Space Nine. I skipped that one. I got really into Voyager, and I remember watching a little bit of Enterprise, but not enough to stick with it. So that's so, that's my Star Trek knowledge. Yeah, I mean, I the only one I've watched in its entirety is the original series. Okay. Um, I've seen a good bit of Next Generation, um, but not, again, in order. Again, that was when it was just on television and whatever episode happened to be on is what yeah. you got to watch. Um, 
but the original series I have watched in order um, a while ago was available on Netflix. Um, and you gotcha. And okay. You, like I had seen them all while I was a kid, you know what I mean? But I had never probably watched them in order then, but when it popped up yeah. on Netflix, there's only like 60 some episodes. It's not, you know, that many to get through. So gave them a watch in order again. Gotcha. It still holds up pretty much as good or better than the rest. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, we'll we'll talk, Mike. We'll see yeah, yeah, yeah. when I get through it. Finish up. Um. All right. That's yeah. That's the only thing I'm really piecing away TV wise. So, whatever you guys. Anything else in categories you want to touch on? Not you mean like games or what? Are you saying like a different I mean, category altogether, or in that category? A uh, different category because we all covered TV. So, is there another category you want to touch on? I just the only other category I have is video games. Okay. Which I figured you had something along those lines as well, but it, I feel like it's the same crap I talk about all the time. I <laughs> okay. Th- the same few that I always come back to. I, I I feel guilty that I'm I signed up for Game Pass and downloaded a couple games and played them like a few times each, but keep getting sucked into playing other stuff that I play all the time. So I haven't come back to that stuff that's new that I should be trying <laughs> to sort of report back with. That's fair. Um. Yeah. I mean, you. Pr- Mike, you probably know Destiny's got their event coming on, so I'm trying to like tie up loose ends before this event is over, before the season ends, and go through that kind of stuff. So that's getting the majority of my time. Uh, I did at least want to mention that uh, GTA Online did their update uh, a couple weeks ago where they added access to the casino, which I thought was fucking great. Like, it's it's really stupid. Like, you're you're getting fake money to gamble with more fake money in the casino to make fake in-game money to buy other things. It's all just, you know, fake. But still, I, I, I sit on my couch and then I can go to a casino and bring my guy into the casino, play uh, blackjack, roulette, play the slots. Like, I could very easily just sit there and just try to make money for my guy by gambling at the casino. And then they also give you, like, story missions and other stuff to do. So there's other things that, that co- the content comes with. Um, and they with the casino update, you can go into the casino and they have a daily wheel. You can spin that gives you like random rewards. And each week they have a car you can win. And out of the three or four weeks that this has been going on, I've won two cars, so I can't complain about that. Nice. So it's, it's hitting it big on the wheel. I've, I've been excited about that. Friends are a little jealous and pissy about it that I keep winning. <laughs> uh, but got to spin like to win, it. man. That's, that's what that's a casino right, exactly. is all about. Take your chances. <laughs> Um, yeah, but that's pretty much all I've been going back and forth between those two. Uh, I mean, for me, I, you know, I got the new PC and I decided I was going to go back and play some of the games on it that I never got to play before, uh, because they were exclusive to PC. Um, of those, the only one I've currently completed is Half-Life, uh, one. I have not started Half-Life 2 yet. Um, but, uh, got introduced to that classic gaming character, Gordon Freeman, which many people know and a lot of people don't because it was PC exclusive for so long. But um, I feel like even if you're a ga- just a gamer at all, you've at least heard the name. Yeah. You know who Gordon Freeman is. You know Valve. You know what they're known for. I mean, CSGO obviously has blown up to massive proportions now, and that all started back with Half-Life. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess CS:GO started with Half-Life Two, 
I believe, but it still started as modding for Half-Life back in the day. But over 20 years later, I pick up and I finally play Half-Life. Um, I think the next one I'm looking at to like really get into uh, will be not coming out until December. I think it's like the last day of the year, like December 31st. They're releasing the remaster, the 4K remaster of Warcraft 3. Um, not World of Warcraft, hmm. Warcraft 3, the real-time strategy game. Okay. Um, and I'm definitely looking into that. I like RTS games, so getting one that is considered like to be the pinnacle of the genre yeah. um, that I've never been able to play because it's never been on console would be yeah. uh, something great. And it just so happens they're releasing a big HD remaster to it that looks a thousand times better than it ever has before. <laughs> um, like, it's really a big difference. Um, what if that's one? And- Shout out to Andy, because he was my RTS guy back in the day. I'd go down to his place. Command & Conquer was big for us. That was the that was the RTS we'd play on this PC. Yeah, that's another one I um, would like to dive into, um, is that series. Because, again, that's not... I think recently there was a mobile CNC game that went out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I didn't play that because... Yeah, I didn't either. I, I remember I, seeing trailers and stuff for it. And I think I sent that off to Andy, but I don't think he gave a shit at that point. <laughs> yeah, like... If I'm going to play that, it's got to be in the right context. And a mobile game is yeah. not where I'm going to experience that series first. I'm not going to want to do yeah. that. Um, but yeah, the, the, so on that aspect, that's what I've been with there. Um, I did pick up The Witcher 3. Um, I did download it. You know, I got the disc. I put it in. Got it all loaded. Have not booted it up yet. Um, okay. Kind of like waiting for that time when it feels right. Because I know it's like that first play session with that game is going to be like a six to eight hour play session of just sitting there enthralled by it. You know. Like, so are you planning on diving in before the show or after the show? The The Netflix show. Whenever I get the time, one way or the other. Okay. Um, I didn't know if you you had made it a, like a, a point to be like, okay, I'm gonna get a taste for this before the show and then compare, or if you're gonna let the show wash over you and be like, you know what, I'm ready to dive into that game now. I mean, yeah, I didn't have a plan on that. Okay. Yeah, I was just gonna. Whenever I got that feeling, like again, it comes back to Destiny, where Destiny has so much for you to keep up with. When I get to that yeah. point where I'm like, okay, I have literally nothing I can think of left to do in Destiny until <laughs> Shadowkeep comes out October 1st. When I get to that point, I'll be like, okay, now it's time. Let me, do-. you know, because it's <sighs> The Witcher is going to be that 100, 150 hour game that to right. do it, you really have to dump a lot of time into it. So I'm trying to get to that point where I'm like, okay, I've got like three weeks where my gaming time can be completely dedicated to this one game. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, I mean, that's my plan for that. Um, but speaking of destiny, last couple of days have been kind of big with news for destiny. Um, yeah, I've been trying to keep up with the updates. So there's been two direct statements released from Luke Smith in the last three days and the day in the middle was the live stream for what will be Armor 2.0 uh, coming with Shadowkeep. Um, it, to, to say the least, they're definitely trying to start to turn Destiny into something that it's never really been before. 
it's not going to be there with shadow keep it sounds like but they're trying to get to that point so that when they release destiny 3 someday presumably um they will have one giant complete world for the game that is much more feels much more like an mmo than it currently does yeah um and I think they're trying to make these changes and see how it goes and see how it goes and see how it goes until they have the system in place they want and they see exactly what they want out of it. And then I think they're going to make that push towards Destiny's final iteration. Um, but it also sounds, from like what I'm hearing when Luke Smith puts this stuff out, is that they are planning a much longer life for the franchise than originally it sounded than it originally sounded like that 10 years you know we're already on year 5 here yeah and he's talking about a whole other year of getting the game just to where they originally wanted it to be and to me that says they're really going to make a long term commitment um to the game i hope like i would hope that they're gonna try to keep it going as a world the way world of warcraft has just evolving and evolving and evolving because it could be that if they do it right but uh some of the notable things that he was saying um power level is gonna matter again you're gonna have to do specific activities um to hit that max power level. So, you know, no longer is it going to be just do public events each week and keep doing them and keep doing them. And eventually you'll hit max level. Um, looks like 1000 is going to be the new cap with shadow keep for the power level. And from what he has said, 950 is where you're going to halt if you're not doing in game activities. Um, he did not, uh, he called it pinnacle activities. Uh, but he did not get into exactly what that term means. Um, presumably Iron Banner, Trials of Osiris if it ever comes back, raids, nightfalls, things like that are going to be where you progress past 950. Um, and all the new systems look very interesting, a lot more depth, a lot more customization. So it looks like it's headed in a very positive direction. So definitely something to take yeah, note I'm of. Yeah, I'm curious to see. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to see how that how that stuff how the changes take place and if it's a gradual change or if it's all just like here, shadow keeps hitting and there's all kinds of crap that you're gonna have to play with and get used to. But I mean, at this point, I'm so invested in the game, I'm probably gonna just end up sticking with it just to see where it ends up. Yeah, I mean, I'm. Um, Obviously, I, part of me like wants to take a break just because I feel like I'm I'm neglecting so much other crap because I keep coming back to Destiny all the time and I I need to play other things. I have that same feeling all the time where it's like Destiny yeah. just draws me back in, and like right now it's like like I just said like The Witcher's sitting there and I know The Witcher is considered to be like one of the ten best games ever made, <laughs> and I'm just like, but I got to do stuff in Destiny because I got to get this done. Because yeah. it's an ongoing world that if you don't keep up, you can get behind, and then you get behind, and it starts to build up. And right, yeah, it's like having a job when I don't have a job. It's weird, <laughs> but it, it uh, 
I don't know. It, it, it's fun, and and I like that. Aspect. I still enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I I think our goal is to try to bring Andy in for the the new light update to try to get him to play something with us. For God's sake, they did announce this, Andy. You do not have to grind your level up to our level. Um, this was announced <laughs> today. New light. Every player will automatically be seven fifty. They will be brought up to the max level currently to start when they start playing Shadow Keep. So no matter what gear you have, that gear will just become seven fifty. We're gonna have to like corner Andy at a party and start giving him all the reasons why he needs to play with us. I actually seen some people that were upset about what he said because no matter where the items are, no matter what they are, uh, they're all gonna go up to seven fifty. And some people held on to their level ten gear that you get like when you run the first mission of the game and then you finally get like green gear to replace that white gear, but all that yeah. white was level 10. Some people had that stored in their vault since the beginning of the game. And now he's saying everything's going up to seven fifty, So they're going to have this stuff that they liked having that level 10 on. Yeah. It's going to go away. Can't have it anymore. Why the literally want to get don't in. Well, it is an advice for you. Don't infuse any of your items. All of it is yeah, just I read magically that today going too. to become 750. So, yeah, Andy, if you come back, you'll get to be magically seven, you know, max leveled to start the next one and start leveling again. If you're listening, Andy, which you're probably not. He, yeah, he's probably not. But yeah, we'll have to we'll have to go out of our way to give him reasons why he should he should join in with us. I tried offering to grind the levels up for him, and he still wouldn't do it. I don't know. <laughs> You never offer to grind. Yeah, we'll keep trying. <laughs> you could play Destiny. <laughs> oh, is that what we have to do? Okay. I mean, you have to buy the three hundred dollar console to be able to play with us, but then it's free. Your friendship on October first. Expensive. <laughs> Christmas present, Josh. <laughs> be prepared. A year from now, when I buy Scarlet, I will. Uh... Give you my Xbox if you'll play Destiny. Oh, hand me down. There you yeah, go. You can have a hand me down Xbox when I replace mine if you'll play Destiny. Oh, we used if to. Not, we I'm used to have an in. Xbox. We got rid of it because we never use it. <laughs> I said if you'd play Destiny, I'm not. You know, <laughs> you, you, like if you stop playing Destiny, I'm taking it back. Oh yeah, I mean, probably, <laughs> probably wouldn't. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gotten rid of the one we had before if I was going to do that. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, Josh, anything else? Uh, nope, not from my side. I think, I think Mike and I have have filled what we were gonna talk yeah, about. Yeah, nope that that that's all good for me. All right, that's, I'm tapped out. Mike, you good? Yeah, I don't got anything else on the list. I made a list and I talked about all of it. So okay. <laughs> um, all right, so I think that's where we're gonna close this one down. If you have enjoyed the show, please stop by iTunes. You can leave us a five star rating and review. Be sure to share, subscribe, favorite the show. Uh, as always, you can find us on Facebook, search Bry Guy and his super friends, or go to facebook.com slash Superfriends. You can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. We will get back to you. You can attempt to email us at the email address we'll never check, Superfriends at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us at Twitter, on, tweet us at Twitter, tweet us on Twitter <laughs> at BG Superfriends. Uh, that we will see. Uh, on behalf of Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.